0: This is the Gospel City Church Podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Today's re- scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 14-29. to 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Amen. Amen. Is anyone of us
1: here, do you remember like the year of 1998? And, and I know some of us are born after 1998 here, um, but... I remember the year of 1998 because it was the year that changed the trajectory of my life, and also, I believe, many of my friends. In March 1998, this computer game called StarCraft came out. And that summer, um, I was in fifth grade, I remember, in elementary school, and that was when I first saw and experienced this place called Pishibang. And if you're, if you, um, if you're Korean, you're, you're familiar with this idea. Um, it's basically, uh, it's a PC cafe. There are a bunch of computers, a bunch of people who are playing computer games. Um, so that's when um, it, it first came out in Korea, 1998. And I say it changed, it changed um, the trajectory of my life because from my early teenage and until mid-twenties, it really changed my life in a very negative way. Um, I was heavily addicted to the computer games for a long time. And at some point of my life, I remember, it's around in my mid-twenties, about six months, I was playing computer game like from 9 to 9, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day for six months, as if it was my full-time job. I have so many failures at that time. I failed so many things that I was supposed to do, and it took like years for me to like, get recovered, and it took years for me to quit, like, finally. I remember one day, like, I told myself, okay, like, this computer game thing is destroying my life. I'm gonna delete all, everything. I'm, not, I'm never gonna come back. But a few days later, you know what? I was playing, like, 10 hours. It was fun. But, I feel frustrated and, and like, you know, in some way depressed, like condemning myself. I'm saying this because I know many of us experience failures in your life. And when you fail again and again for something, you feel very, you feel so powerless and you feel hopeless. And you start thinking, oh, maybe there's no way uh, that I will overcome this there is no way that i will success in this area of my life ever you know some of us may have anger issue you easily you easily get angry and you lash out at people around you and you know that it's not right and you try to change it but then you fail and you experience failure again and again and you get frustrated you know failure is something we will go through in our own lives. And we need to learn how to respond to these failures. But what about spiritual failures? Because some of us are experiencing some sort of spiritual failures in our lives. I know like some of us are trying to like, overcome habitual sin, like addiction, but you fail. You try and then you fail and some years passes and you're frustrated or some of us are, um, has a memory of this life full of prayer, like full of word, but then at some point in your life, it disappeared from your life, and you, do, you try different things to implement it again, like you try, like read word again, and you try, like uh, set the time separately for your time of prayer, but you fail. You have a memory of this life full of God but that's just in the past, and that's not in the present anymore. And you see, you will go through these moments of failures in our life, and also spiritual failures in our lives, and we need to know how to respond to our spiritual failure. And the failure is what the nine of disciples experienced in our passage today. You know, in this passage, we're going to see that the spiritual failure comes from a lack of spiritual power. The reason that we fail spiritually is because we are lack of power often. And Jesus teaches that faith is how God empowers his people. He wants, God wants, and God does empower his people, and he does it through faith. And it is faith in Christ that empowers us and enables us. And that's what we see from today's passage. And the question is, do you know what this faith looked like? Do you know what kind of faith really empowers you? to live a life that is supposed to and live a life that God wants you to live. You know, often we think that faith is some sort of like mental brainwash. Like you just remind yourself, you need to believe, believe. Or other times we think that faith is just easy thing. You can just simply say, hey, you just need to believe. But we'll see from today's passage, it's not either of them. In the story of the boy healed uh, from today's passage, we learn that it is a faith that dependent on Christ that empowers us. It's not perfect faith. It's not big faith. But it is faith dependent on Christ that empowers his people. You know, it believes that transforming power is not on us. It believes that it's on Christ. Like it believes that our strength, our ability, and our willpower, even our faith, is inadequate. But it believes the need of God's transforming grace in all areas of our lives. So this dependent faith acknowledges our inadequacy. So let's look into our passage together um, Please look into your Bible. Um, I'll be reading from uh, verse 14 to 16, and let's see what's going on. Um, Verse 14, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? So Jesus, Peter, and John, John and James, you know they were in the mountain and they're coming down from the mountain and Jesus discovers this chaos like going on. A great crowd was like, gathered around his the rest of the disciples and the scribes, the teacher of the Bible were arguing with them. So Jesus asked like, what's going on? Like why is it so like chaotic? Why are there so many people? And Jesus found out like what happened. And I'll continue to read from verse 17. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Now basically, this father brought his son to Jesus, like desperately looking for a help. But somehow, his disciples like failed. They failed to cast out this like evil spirit from the boy. Like it was think about it. It was a lot of people there, and they did something. Probably they did it in the name of Jesus, but they failed. And when Jesus heard what happened, we read that Jesus was clearly discouraged and frustrated. And he's saying in verse 19, Oh, faithless generation, the reason that they couldn't cast out demons was Jesus saying it was lack of faith." Jesus points out that lack of faith led to the lack of power, and that was the reason of the failure for the disciples. But please note that Jesus is not saying faithless disciples. You know, disciples failed, but he's saying, he's not saying faithless disciples, but he's saying faithless generation. And if you think about it in this story, everyone fails. You know what? Disciples were trying to cast out demons, you know, but they failed. And they even couldn't figure out why they failed. And later on, like they asked Jesus why, and Jesus explained it was because of lack of prayer, You had confidence in yourself. And scribes, the teacher of the Bible, who knew the uh, the Bible, you know, they were arguing um, with the disciples. Probably they were criticizing the failure of disciples. And they were probably thinking, you know, how this uneducated group of people from, like, fishing town, you're not, like, adequate to this work of God. But they don't realize their own powerlessness and their own inadequacy either. Because if they were able to, they probably ha- would have done something instead of disciples. And crowd, they probably excited first, then disappointed, and they're wondering where Jesus was. And in this entire sin, there is only one person who confessed his faith. He was the father of the boy. And his faith that confesses his faith was the faith that confesses his one inadequacy. You know, in verse 24 he cries out like this I believe but help my unbelief. He's confessing his faith but he's also confessing his unbelief. Like it was dependent faith that acknowledges his own inadequacy. And do you know what we see? God's transforming power is revealed through this father's faith. It was not the perfect faith. It was not the great faith. But it was the dependent faith that acknowledges his lack of faith. And through this faith of faith that acknowledges his own inadequacy. The power of Jesus revealed and the boy gets healed. Do you see the father's um, acknowledgement of his inadequacy is actually the act of faith? Like when he cries out, I, I believe, help my unbelief. Not only he acknowledges his own small or inadequate faith, but he places his small and Inadequate faith in Christ. Like it was dependent faith that acknowledges Christ's sufficiency. Like it believes that Christ's power is sufficient even to use his small and inadequate faith. Like it is the two sides of the same coin. Like we don't acknowledge our inadequacy for the sake of it. Like acknowledging. We don't acknowledge our inadequacy or lack of faith to endorse our inadequacy, but we do it so that we can acknowledge God's sufficiency and God's abundant grace that is able to transform like our lives, our heart. Like do you know like what this dependent faith looked like? Like imagine, imagine you went into the convenience store and there is a little seven-year-old child comes into the convenience store, and in, with his small hand, he grabs a basket, and he goes to a snack section. And he starts picking up the, his, his favorite snack, let's say um, Cheetos. He starts grabbing a Cheetos. And by the time he was grabbing like tenth bag of Cheetos, the cashier like, who was looking at it, looking at the child, um, got curious and got worried. Um, and so he, he asked the child, hey, boy, um, are you going to buy all those Cheetos? And the boy says, um, yes. And the cashier asked him again, like, do you, do you have money for the Cheetos? And the child confidently says, uh, no. But he doesn't stop. he, he continually like, grabbing his Cheetos, like more bags, but the child knows that he doesn't have a money, but he knows that his father is coming soon, and his father got the money. And the boy is be- being dependent on his father that he will pay for his cheetos. You know, this boy has the faith that was dependent to his father. You know, by all means, like was this boy like? able, inadequate to buy like, anything from the convenience store? No. Like, the boy, by all means, this boy was like, inadequate to buy anything from, from the store. And, but the, at the same time, this boy was sufficient to get like, whatever he wants as long as his father pays for him. And it's a faith like a child. And Jesus later says on, in Mark chapter 10, and he says, "Like truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it." He was talking about this dependent faith that depends on Christ's sufficiency. And you know, when we face struggle and when we face spiritual failure, and my prayer is that we won't be like a boy. We won't be like the child in the convenience store and who tries to buy them with his own money. Because there will be no way that he'll be able to. And I don't want us to be like the child who doubts if his father will have enough money to buy him like, what he wants. But know that we are inadequate, but Christ's power is sufficient. We'll experience this battle in this against evil and sin. In our passage today, this poor son who brought by his father, he was possessed by an evil spirit, the scripture says. And do you see what this evil spirit does to this boy? It basically destroys him. It damages his humanity, his image, the created in the image of God. And not everyone here will experience this kind of demon possession. Not, I know many of us will never see something like this. But Apostle Paul, like, in Ephesians 6, and also other places of uh, Scripture, says that we are all fighting this battle against schemes of evil, against evil principality of this world all the time. So you may not face some sort of demon position like this, but we will face the principality of evil as we live this, on this earth. And we will face the battle um, an evil that tries to destroy us and damages who we are. So, as we fight this battle, like, have faith that is dependent on Him. Accept your weakness and accept His greatness. And pray because you know that you're weak and pray because God's power is greater than your weakness. And in order for us to be dependent, we also need to be attentive to Christ. Dependent faith goes together with this attentive faith. And the attentive faith believes that God speaks to you. It believes that transforming power comes through his word. It believes that he will speak to you today in such a way that brings the power and life unto our lives. So in times of spiritual failure, we need to have this faith that is attentive to Christ. Do you know um, what often hinders our faith? It's failure. It's someone else's failure. That's what's happening in our passage. The Father's journey um, Of faith began like with Jesus. Question: Jesus asked, "Like, how long has been um, happening to your boy? Like, how long has this been?" And verse 21, um, if you look at it, he says like this: "Like, from childhood, he, he shares his story, and it has it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us." So when this father first met Jesus, he actually comes with a bit of doubt. He is doubtful um, if Jesus really can do this. And father's doubt is understandable, if you think about it, because Jesus' disciples just failed him. They just failed to cast it, cast it out. You know, he was anticipating for healing, he was anticipating the disciples will do something for him. But what happened was failure and chaos. Like People start arguing with one another, with disciples. And do you see that the failure of disciples in some way hindered the Father's faith as he come to Jesus? And isn't it the story of many of us, isn't it? We have experience of our faith being shaken or hurt because of someone in the church. I I hear so many stories that, like how they were hurt or disappointed by certain people in the church or certain leaders of the church or certain ways that things are done in the church. But in, in the end, what I hear is that their hearts, like, what I hear from their hearts is that their faith was hindered because of someone else's failure in the church. And I know this may be what you're going through even right now in Gospel City. Like when you first came to GCC, you're excited. Um, you have anticipation of like, like excitement of what God is doing. Then you experience some broken people in our church. Just like you and me, and you start asking, like, oh, like, is this what God is doing? Your faith is hindered by the disappointment, by someone else's failure. But what brings us back to the track is not better people, and it's not even better community. Because in the end, you know, church is full of broken people. But it is the Word of God that brings us back and brings us back and confirm our faith again. In our story today in Mark, um, Father came with a doubt in the beginning. But what does turn Father's doubt to faith? Like what did bring him back on the track? It was the word of Jesus, the word of truth. The word of God like, turned his doubt to faith. In verse 23, like Jesus confronts him. He confronts the doubt of father. Like, if you can, what are you talking about? All things are possible for one who believes. And through this confrontation, through the word of truth, we see the father moves on from his own disappointment. Father moves on from his doubt. He moves on from failures of disciples. He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. It was faith that is attentive to Christ that brings us back. And do you know what it looks like? I'm not sure if you know, uh, if you ever met um, Pastor Sean's dog, Tori. So Pastor Sean, um, his wife has this lovely dog, Call, um, whose name is Tori. And sometimes he, he brings uh, Tori to the church office. And so I was able to spend some time together with him as well. And he's a really, really lovely dog. If you, if you meet him, you will really love, love Tori. But what amazes me, um, by the way, I don't have a pet, so I didn't know this, but what amazes me is how um, this dog, Tori, is so attentive and so sensitive to the voice of Pastor Sean. Like one day, I remember like, we were cleaning the office. It was full of noise, like vacuum cleaning, like different voices. But even in the midst of um, all these noises, when Pastor Sean called Tori, hey, Tori, you know what? He listens to him. And he ran to him. You know, even when Ellie, like our admin, and Ellie plays with Tori, but if Sean calls Tori, like Tori abandons Ellie and then he ran, he ran to, like, Pastor Sean. Like, it's amazing. It's, it's probably, little, it'll be a little sad if um, Tori didn't listen to, like, Pastor Sean and just keep playing Ellie, right? Um, no matter how chaotic it is, like, no matter how fun it is, that dog, it, it hears the voice of Pastor Sean that he needs to hear, and he goes. And some, in some way, this is the picture of how we need to hear God's voice. Like no matter how chaotic it is, or no matter how fun it is, like, we need to attentive to his voice, and we need to listen to him, and we need to respond to him. And in the book of John, um, that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying like, I'm a good shepherd, and my sheep hears my voice and I know them, and they follow me. And the faith attentive to Christ is like this. No matter how big failure you are, no matter how inadequate you feel like you are, and no matter how the circumstances is chaotic or fun, you believe that God speaks to you, and you're ready to listen to him. So when you're distracted, or when you hear different voices, when you're disappointed for some reason, or when your faith is hindered by someone else's failure, and that's the moment that you need to have this faith that is attentive to God, attentive to his word, and let his word empower you. And we're not just doing this one day, we're not just listening to him one day or one week, but we need to be attentive to him consistently. And that is another characteristics of empowering faith. It's dependent, it's attentive, and it's consistent faith. We need faith consistent with Christ. In the story, at the end of our story today, when Everything is finished. You know, everything is finished. Jesus and his disciples entered this house. Um, they're not in public space anymore. Um, they went into this private space. There can, they can, like, talk more. And finally, disciples asked them why. Like, uh, in verse 28, I'll be reading it for us. Uh, when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, like, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, and this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Jesus says that you, didn't, you couldn't do it because you didn't pray. And disciples didn't pray. But what's interesting is, Jesus didn't pray either in our passage. Prayer, the word prayer, like, appears here the first time. And if we read our passage carefully, um, Jesus didn't really have a chance to pray um, before he cast out demons. Everything was very quick. Like right after his conversation with the Father, like he saw crowds were running towards him. And he, he was like, he had to hurry. And he hurried and he quickly commanded and casted out this evil spirit from the boy. So Jesus didn't pray either in, in the passage today. So when Jesus says about prayer at this moment with his disciples, Jesus is not telling um, his disciples, hey, you didn't pray before your attempt of something, and that's why you couldn't. That's not what he's saying. But he's pointing out that the lack of the life of prayer among disciples, the lack of consistent fellowship with God, that's what Jesus was saying. You need to be consistent. You need to have this life of prayer. In, in my freshman year um, in university, I met some of, um, some of the people who are really talented musically, who are really good at um, instruments. Like, and that was the first time that I met someone, some people like that because I, I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a very small town and I never saw someone who can play like, guitar without, like, music shit. Uh, That was not, like, people around me. So, in the university, uh, like, first year, I met these people um, who are really, really good at, like, guitar or piano. And I was thinking, it was so fascinating when I first met them, and I was thinking, oh, I want to be, like, one of them. I want... I, I want to be that cool guy like, who can just grab a guitar and start playing like, without like, looking at the music note. You know, like, think about it. Isn't it cool? So I practiced this guitar like a few weeks. I, I never played guitar before, and then, then I was wondering. So I played a few weeks, and then I was wondering when I will be able to play like that, like, even without looking at the uh, um, music shit. And you know what? few weeks later... Um, I learned that I couldn't do it. I realized that it wasn't just a few weeks or even a few months of practice that I could do that. And I, I, I learned I need to like, practice long time, years, in order for me to play, like, in order for me to have this, like, second, this um, guitar as my second nature. I needed the life with instrument. Like, I needed the life with instrument. And ask anyone who seems to be like good with sports, like basketball or tennis or soccer, you will learn that it's, it's not just a few hours of practice, a few weeks of practice, even a few months of practice that they can play so naturally those like, few hours. No, it takes, it takes life with that sports for them to be natural and good at it. And when I think about like, some, some of the people in my life that I really admired for their walk with God, their maturity, their spirituality, it wasn't few hours of prayer or few hours of reading the Bible that shaped them like that. And it wasn't even a few weeks or a few months. It was their life of prayer, or it was their life of word, that consistent fellowship with God that formed who they are, that shaped their character and their maturity. And the empowering faith is like that. It's not a few days of dependent faith that empowers us. It's not a few days of attentive faith that empowers us. But it's the consistent life of dependency and life of attentiveness that empowers us and that brings us that power that shapes us and that changes us. So in order for us to live life of transforming power, we need this faith that is consistent with Christ, consistent fellowship, the life of a dependency, and life of attentiveness. And brothers and sisters, I know it will be our struggles. It will be my struggle to face spiritual failures in our own lives. But I pray that we'll have this faith that depends on Christ. You know what? He allowed himself to be dependable, even for sinners, even for those who failed. And at the end of this journey, uh, we're reading through Mark. At the end of this journey in Mark, he was lifted up on the cross. He took our sin, and he died on the cross so that whoever puts his small and inadequate faith in him that he will live with the power that comes from Christ. And he does not only seek our attentiveness, but he's the first one who was attentive to us, the son of living God. He came down to be one of us. He came down to listen to us. And by giving himself as an atonement sacrifice, He abolished the barrier between God and us so that God can speak to us through his word. And he's not only asking us consistent faith, but in the end, our God, our Lord Jesus, is the one who is the most consistent with us. In times of failure, he'll be consistent with you. He'll consistently love you, and he'll consistently carry you. And that's about the gospel. So let's have this faith as we continue our journey. Let's, let's spend some time in prayer. Let's pray.
0: If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.